Pete, if you've got a Bible, can you please turn with me to Psalm 65? If you are a visitor, we are looking at some of the mid-psalms. We actually have divided into three. We've previously looked at some psalms between 0 and 50. We're doing 50 to 100. And uh, later on, we will do 100 to 150. And and then we break a little bit between that. The next time we break, we're going to do uh, some stuff about people in the New Testament that actually met met with Jesus. So that's our break. Uh, But as you can see, we're on Psalm 65. So we've got a long way to go to 100. Uh, And Psalm 65 is entitled, O God of our salvation to the choir master, a psalm of David, a song. Uh, Verse 1 then, praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. By awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness. O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. The one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it, you greatly enrich the river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, setting its ridges, softening it with showers and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty, your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow, the hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks, the valley deck themselves with grain. They shout and they sing together for joy. This song, this psalm, as we have been told uh, right at the very beginning, is actually a song to God. To God. And it is appropriate that we do sing our songs to God. That often when we meet, we can be very me-centred. You know, so you can come to church and sort of say, what will I get from church this morning? What will I get? Will somebody give me a word of knowledge? Will somebody pray for me? Here's the psalmist that says, no, this is a song to God. We, if we're to be anything in the kingdom of God, if we're to do advance the kingdom of God, then we have got to be a people who sing our songs to God. That is one of the great dynamics of the psalmist and the kingdom. And what we see here is this is not just a song to God, it's about the abundance of God. Or better, it's about a God of abundance. We worship the abundant God. That's who we worship. Now what I'm going to try and do is divide this into three because I'm a good strict Baptist. And in in this psalm I want us to see first, I want us to see uh, the prayer hearing God of grace. 
I'll explain that a little bit later, and you'll find that uh, in the first four verses. Then later I want to look at how God does great deeds and, and how we should react to that in verses 5 and 8. And then lastly, I want us to see about the, this gift-giving God of plenty and how that works out with us and, and in our lives. But the, what I want to say right at the very beginning is that often we can detach ourselves from these psalms. We can think a little bit about the psalm the psalmist and the psalmist experience and all that sort of stuff. But I want us to see that this is our God that we're reading about. It isn't just the psalmist God. It is our God. It's the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Israel and your God. This is your God. Um, The Bible says that it's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to add to that. It's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and my God. It's my God. It's the one true God. It's the only God, the creator God, the redeemer God, whatever you'd like to call him, the God of provision. But the God that we are reading about is the God who is intimately involved in your life and the God who, as we've been singing about, does not change. So firstly then, the prayer hearing God of grace. The first scene that we see is in verses 1 to 4 of the temple court's And the picture is this. There's been a visitation of God, of God's punishment on Israel. And perhaps there's been a drought, perhaps there's been a famine. Um, There has been a massive crop failure. And there's been a withholding of rain. Uh, And the people of God are now in the temple because the drought has been broken and the harvest is now coming in. In fact, the harvest is not coming in. The harvest is crazily coming in. It's going mad. It's almost as if you you put one of those seeds that you get from Wilco's and you put it into here and it becomes a triffid overnight. This is what has happened that you're reading. When you read the psalm, understand that there's been incredible famine, but things are just right now going berserk. That's the way that they're in. It has been broken and the harvest is coming. Now, they are rejoicing because God has shown them mercy after discipline. He has disciplined them. They have misbehaved badly. So the, the famine, the drought, the crop failure is due to their own hearts. They have been disciplined, but now God has had mercy on them. And they're in the temple courts because they're worshipping, because their prayers have been heard, that their cries have been heard, that they've appealed to this God in the midst of their misbehaviour and this massive famine, they have prayed. And God has provided for them rain and an incredible harvest that has just burst out from the fields. It is supernatural. If you were to go and visit the fields and go back in time, you would wonder what on earth is going on. So what is this passage about in regard to us? The whole passage actually is about our experience. It is about our experience in the sense that we can often as Christians, let's put it like this, misbehave. That we can be... Uh, people that sort of dismiss God. 
We can, with our attitudes and our hearts and our actions, cut this God out of our life. We, we can sort of live, as it were, without him. We can do it an outward life. And because of that, these people have come back in repentance. What we're reading here is something of repentance. We're reading of something of humbling them our, ourselves, and we're reading what we do in those in those in, when we're in that state. And it's worth putting into it that put it into this equation that repentance is not something that I did when I became a Christian. Repentance is something that I am. I am repentant. And actually, if you see here, repentance is actually linked to blessing. So as the people are repentant, God hears their cry for mercy and blesses them. It is an interesting thing, isn't it, that you can talk about when you go to bed at night. How much are you being blessed? Could that be linked to how much you are unrepentant? Mm. I'm glad I'm at the Brighton Conference next week. The... The exact occasion of the psalm is uncertain because of the way that it's constructed. We don't know whether this was an autumn festival. We don't know whether it's a spring celebration. We don't know whether this was a national deliverance that, was, that they were all celebrating. What we do know is the exact circumstances are, are something like this, that the people of God are delighting because God has forgiven their sins. They have repented and he has provided abundantly for them. So we come in at this point. We come into bad attitude, bad character, bad behavior, bad speaking, all that sort of stuff. We come then into famine. We come into drought. We come into a crop failure as God disciplines. We come into the fact that the people then cry out to God. God hears their cry and the harvest sort of comes up like triffids. They cut it and they come in and now we're into a celebration but not as we know it. Not as we know it. And we join this massive crowd that that have poured into the temple and the temple courts and the verse five, verse one says this, praise is due to you. But if you've got a, a Bible that has a note by it, there is something very interesting about those words. Because what we have here is that he actually says this, praise awaits for you in silence. Wow. They're praising, but they are not saying anything. They are hushed in silence they are humbled they are quiet and it's raining (laughs) and it's i don't know whether whether we actually can understand the emotion that they would have been going through because it's hard for us to drive home famine isn't it Some of you have seen famine. We can see that in Somalia and Kenya uh, right now. And some of us have traveled to places where we might have got a little bit of taste of what a famine is like. But we haven't been in a situation where we have had to live and provide for our family through a famine. And most of us actually, whether we whether we are expert missionaries that visit these places or not, most of us have no idea what what a famine is like. 
The closest you would get to a famine is if your mum and dad said to you once, no, we're not stopping at McDonald's on the way home. That tends to be our thing. Or maybe in Shropshire or one of the rural counties, maybe you have a relative that was a farmer, and maybe they've said to you, it's not a good year for this this year. Maybe that's what you have seen. But you've never seen, you've never experienced, we have never experienced crops that have devastated us, that have plummeted us as a nation, which is what is happening here. We may, you have never known a time when you can't turn that little tap on in your house and get yourself some water out the tap. It's interesting these days, isn't it, that now we don't drink water out the tap, we buy it from bottles. I mean, how many of us in this nation of ours have ever died because we have turned the tap on? Not many of us, but now we all carry that water bottle around with us, don't we? As if we, you know, and it's strange, isn't it? Because we live like this. And, and I don't know whether you're like me, but sometimes, you know, when it gets hot, you, you look at, I look at the lawn and think, oh, little yellow patch. And I go down to my brother's last year, I'm going down to my brother's at Brighton, and he said to me that when we arrived last year, he said, he said, we're in the middle of a hosepipe ban. But it didn't stop me having a shower, drinking the water, and going to the toilet, everything like that. They were in the middle of a hosepipe. And this is what we think is bad. And we sort of get on holiday, don't we? I don't know whether you do this, but you get on holiday. And it, when you're here in the UK, you complain. It's, it's doing it now. It's flipping raining all the time, isn't it? And then what they do, I don't know whether you've noticed, when you go abroad, something, in, the, in the UK, you dock up, don't you? The plane, and this thing comes out and you walk into the air conditioning. Not when you go on broad. They park you, don't they, miles away, and they pull off this coach and the door opens you. Flipping heck, it's hot here. Of course it's hot here. That's what you wanted to do in the first place. And then what you do after that is, that, and this is what my wife does, we book a holiday to go somewhere hot, which we're going in about three weeks' time, and she says, I must find the shade. Well, if you want to find the shade, go to Prestatin. If you go to Will, all that sort of stuff. If you want to find the, you know, just, that's what you are going for. And we sort of get, uh, you know, it's a bit, and we say these things that are, it's a bit too hot for me. Come on, guys. You know, we have never been in a situation when the whole earth that we are walking on has been devastated, when we've walked over people that have died, when our crops have failed and our animals that we have have died and we are walking over them. We do not live in a... This is what they would have lived like. More than that, this was caused by themselves. They were looking at the devastation and they were thinking, I caused this we gather that you can see that in the first four verses so they're thanking God in the wake of an experience of their own hearts and nothing at all and they're praising God and they are stunned by the mercy of God considering what they have done they they are praising but it is hushed it's hushed because they're in awe of God Their attitude is appropriate because they have caused it. It's they that have done it. They have sinned and they have received mercy. And sometimes, you know, repentant people just need to be quiet. There needs to be a time, doesn't it, when we as repentant people 
are quiet. And this is what is going on here. It is appropriate if we have offended our great God and have offended people by our own attitudes, that we don't come in and shout and, and push ourselves up and elevate ourselves. That actually, even in the presence of God, we are humble. We are humble. This is where these were. They are standing in the temple and they are quiet. They have seen his judgment. They have seen his famine. And now they are repentant. Repentant is worshipful. Let me hear that. Worshipful isn't just like me on one leg badly. You know, which I, you know, I can do one leg bad. Worshipful is more than just uh, being clap happy. You can be repentant and worshipful. Because you are realizing your own heart has been bad. And you're realizing that God has extended you mercy. And you think my appropriate response here is to humble myself before my God. Not for me to sort of shout it out. And that, this is the situation that they've gone. Now, I, I'm very happy. I, I want more. Some, I think we need to be a bit more exuberant than we are. But actually, sometimes we need to be a bit more humble than we are. You know, that's why even sometimes that we don't realize that the whole scheme of the Psalms and some of the stuff, I mean, can you imagine Phil Harmon bringing a lament next Sunday? Just got this song for you. We, we're going to lament about our sin. This is what was going, but actually it is right to do this. It's right sometimes to say, Lord, I have sinned and I repent. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And I come humbly before you. I don't deserve your forgiveness, but you have given it. And it again goes on, and we find um, about this that it seems that they, they do something strange. They, they make a vow, or they make an, an oath. And it seems that um, they said in the midst of it, when you hear our prayers, we will respond by doing something or other. So they, they do this. Now one would presume that, so, that they were out in the fields, that they were out in their homes, that they were out as families, and suddenly they, they dawned on the fact that they needed to involve God. Now I don't want you to mistake this, this sort of thing that happens, this vow and this oath, because this is one of these things that is misinterpreted by what we might call the health and wealth or the prosperity preachers. And what they say is this. They say this verse is about sowing a seed of faith. They say this is making a vow of faith. This is something like this. If, if I give you a thousand pounds, then can you do this for me? Or if I give you the, my credit card number, Lord, and I do this for you, then will you bless me? That actually is conditional worship. It always will be. You cannot bribe God. You can't do that. Let me just put this. If, you, if I do this, then God will. So if I turn up to church every Sunday, do the prayer meeting as Steve has said next week, turn up to the house group, the Lord will bless me. Let's probably get this into our hearts right at the very beginning. The Lord does not have to bless us. Now we think, we think, ooh, but he doesn't. He's God. He doesn't have to bless us. We have to bless him. That's what we're called. Despite what we have, we are called to bless him. He is not actually called to do. So let's just take this. 
This is different. Why is this different? Because with the faith and prosperity thing, what it means is something like this. Lord, if I give you a tenner, then, what I'll, you know, then, then I, you know, I'll do this and that sort of stuff. That is what, that sort of thing. This is different here because this is sorrow and repentance. This is a people that's saying, you're the only God, you're the only one. We, we have come to you in our trouble. We are fools. We are idiots. We can't save ourselves. We can't bring an end to this. We did it. We can't bring the rain. We can't feed our children. Our animals are dying. You are our only hope. And actually, that is a wonderful prayer to ask. Isn't it wonderful that in the midst of the famine, they realized that it was them? And sometimes, in the midst of our famine whether that be spiritual or not, the road out of it is to say, it's me. It's me. It's not everybody else. It's me. It's me. So that's what happens. They go, it's me. The light comes on. Maybe that's your answer this morning. Ah, it's me. It's my heart. It's what I've said. It's what I do. Lord, it's me. It's me. Now hear this. This is what God's looking for. God's looking for what the Bible calls a contrite heart. He's looking for a people that are actually like that. So in the midst of the famine, they cry and go, we have done this. And the Lord goes, I'll meet with you then. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that incredible? They are silent here because they did not deserve this abundance But here's the magnificent thing, that God heard them and blessed them. The harvest has come in. It is massive. The offerings are stacked as far as the eye can see. And God has heard that cry. Let me ask you, for some of you, you you are in a famine right now. You're in a spiritual famine. Let me just say this to you. You want out? Yeah, of course you do. I want you out. But sometimes it's not everybody else. You have to say, Lord, it's me. Help me. And what we see, the uh, the vow, is an actual act of repentance. And this is the way back. This is the way that they come back. It wasn't a trick to hold God hostage or to give them a blessing. It's just an expression of humility. I have been an idiot, Lord. I am so sorry. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, we had the prayers this morning. I didn't do it. You didn't hear many people come in and say, Lord, I've been an idiot. <laughs> but this is an act of worship here. It's not holding God to the... And, and it's really magnificent that God then comes and he meets with them. I don't know whether you've got a copy of this at home. Can I recommend it to you? It's, it's incredible reading, but dead boring. If you have, uh, I'd like to recommend this very boring book called The Westminster uh, Confession of Faith. And actually, uh, it's an old book, but it does have in it uh, an incredible chapter. And I'd like to give you the chapter heading because it will bless you. The chapter heading is called this, Lawful Oaths and Vows, uh, and, and so that you can read there. But would you like to get into that? So let's get into chapter 9, Lawful Oaths and Vows. And it describes in it this. Now, this is quaint, but I want you to hear this. It says, A vow is of like nature with promissory oath and it ought to be made with like religious care and to be performed with like faithfulness. 
It is not to be made by any creature, but to God alone. (laughs) And so that it may be expected, it is to be made voluntary, out of faith and conscience of duty, in a way of thankfulness for the mercy received or attaining of that which we lack, whereby we more strictly bind ourselves to necessary duties or into other things so far and so long that they might fitly conduce thereunto. So you get it, don't you? (laughs) No man may vow anything that is forbidden in the word of God or that it may hinder any duty wherein commanded or which it is not in his power for the performance whereof he has no promise or ability of God. I... I don't you love books like that? They keep you awake at night at the thrill of God. What, I want, what is the basic thing? Is that it is okay to come back and to say to God and say to God, look, Lord, I have messed up. Now I'm coming and I want to say to you that from this point I will be different. And this is what these people were saying. I love the phrase in this, don't you? Through the vow, though the vow we more strictly bind ourselves to necessary duties. Okay, it's very dated. But is it not our necessary duty to repent and ask for forgiveness? Is that a, not a necessary duty? Is it not, our, is it not a, a, necessary, a necessity and a responsibility that we praise God for his provision? Is it not a necessary and, and our duty that we worship having received mercy? Is that not right? You know, sometimes we, we, need, to do, we need to say this. We need to sort of say, enter my foolishness. New beginnings, vows be performed. We will be different. I will be different. I, I have to admit this, and, and I'll admit this publicly. I've had to make, I've, we've been married for 28 years. And every now and again, I have to go and say, I am a complete idiot. And I have to draw a line in the sand to that stupid thing that I've, and I have to say to Kelly, look, I, I have been stupid. I am wrong. Please forgive me. Can we move ahead? You know, sometimes, you know, we need to do that with God. We need to say, look, you know, using the words of the prophet, I've been an absolute pillock. I've been an idiot. Now, okay, Lord, please forgive me. Can I draw a line in the sun? Can Can I move on together? And here's this wonderful thing you see here. God says, nah, of course he doesn't. He says, no, not only because I see your heart, I will bless you, you'll have triffids. Is that? You'll have personal triffids. Isn't that wonderful? With that attitude. Don't you love God? You know, here you are, famine, you've caused it repentance, and God says, you'll get a triffid. Don't, does that make you want to be more repentant and more asking for forgiveness? You know, don't you look at that and you think, but this is more than just an offering. He says, to you shall vows be made. This is to God. This is not saying, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to increase my giving, although Steve would like that. This is, this, is, this is just to God. This is not a vow that you say like you do on New Year's Eve, where you sort of say, I promise that, like Phil Harmon, that I, that I will drive past McDonald's from now on. How do we know that? 
because he confessed it publicly in a meeting. So we're on safe ground. This was Phil's confession. I cannot drive past a McDonald's. I can. I just want you to know that. Be impressed at the will of the me compared with the will in Phil Harmon. I drive past them all the time. But Phil, no, he's got to go in there. This is, but Phil doesn't have to come to me. This is where the, sometimes they and say, look, Nigel, I need to be... In, he needs to say, now I'm going to draw a line in the sand and to you, God. Lord, no more McDonald's. Because you, you're making it to God. You're doing it to God. But I want us to look at how those vows work out. And I'll do this very briefly. By the way, we've got one long f- first section and two shorties, just if you're worried. So, so <laughs> those, because I can see that you were looking. Got two short points and one long one. You need to ask forgiveness and repent. First of all, Right, how does this work then? How does this work? Look at verse 1. Verse 1, praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. Praise is due to you from me. From me. That's the first point. Right, now, now, I need to be praising God. That's how repentance works. Right, now, okay, drawn a line in the sun, you. I need to come and worship you. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because they'll have just had the abundance and they come through and it's, and it's praises due. So sometimes you, when you've had the abundance and the grain and all the stuff that come in, I don't know, the odd goat or lamb or whatever that came with it, you know, they came into the temple and, they, and it's you. And I just want to say this, really, you know, we have, sometimes we have to leave our grain behind and worship him. It's really interesting that we live in a day, don't we, where we have so many aids to worship him. We sort of say, no, I need an aid to sort of do it. You know, I need a spiritual zimmer. I can only worship God when I have my spiritual zimmer. No, praise is due to him from you. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is that God wants you as a person to praise him. And part of our, part, and here it comes. Now, we have been brought into what? The new covenant of this. So the new covenant part of this is that Jesus died on the cross. He died for our sins. We have repented. We have faith in him. We have received his blessing of abundant life. And what is required of us is that praise is due to him from me. That's the bottom line. It is who I am. I am not a preacher. I am not a church leader. I am a person who praises God. That's who I am. That's my identity. What is my identity? I'm in the band. No, not in the band. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I do it. No, I don't. I do this. Secondly, God hears prayer. This is part of the repentance of it. To you who hear prayer, to you shall flesh come. That's his name. Now hear this. This is what they gather here. That's what they call him. They say this. He hears prayers. What prayers does he hear here? He hears theirs prayers. What type of prayers were they? Well, they were according to his purposes and not theirs. That was the key thing. That's what repentance does. Repentance means that you pray according to his purposes and not your own. Because what they could have done is said, Lord, I just need a little bit more grain for my patch. That will do. Forget his patch, just my patch. Now that's just my, my patch needs to get greener. Please, Lord. 
And they could have prayed like, you know, forget, forget, the, you know, the, the patch over there and all that. Lord, my patch. And it's often that way. Look, and what we need to get onto it is that God answers our prayers according to his purposes and not our own. And repentance is that way. Lord, Lord, I've now got in, you know, when we pray, thy will be done. How do you know what it's thy? When you pray according to his purposes, that's when it happens. Thirdly, this is a God who forgives sins. That's what they've realized. They've realized that they need forgiveness and that he will forgive them. That's the path. When iniquities prevail against me, verse 3, you atone for our transgressions. Fourthly, this God chooses his own worshippers. This is a wonderful impression of the new covenant that will come. If you haven't seen this yet, please hear this. This is very interesting because if you remember in, in the Old Testament, one twenty-fourth of the people of God were chosen to come into the temple to lead the worship of God. The males of the one tribe of Levi were permitted to come into those temple courts, the inner bit, to praise God, to lead the praise of God. But using a word that I don't use very often, there's a double entendre going on here. Please applaud for the word entendre. Thank you very much. There's a celebration of going on because not only here, there's a celebration of the Levite that's been chosen by God to come into the temple, but also the fact that on the other side of that is, of course, Israel is chose, chosen of all the nations of the world to worship the living God. So here, here we are, but look what you get here. Blessed is the one you choose to bring near to dwell in your courts. Now, hear this for you. This is what has happened in the New Testament. You are no longer a part of the 24th. It isn't that you sift it out here and one twenty-fourth of us can hit the presence of God. And the 23 24ths uh, of us look on thinking, why is Belinda doing that jumpy thing at the front when I'm like this? No, 24 24ths can encounter the presence of God. God has chosen us as worshippers, as his worshippers. Do you hear that? as a choice for you. It's this thing, well, God has chosen me because I have a bass guitar. I'm picking on Phil. God hasn't chosen you because you can play bass. God has chosen you to worship him. You have been chosen by him to worship him. That is an incredible privilege. You think of this one nation, and in that one nation, 124th, and in that, the male, not the female, the male, and that was how it was. Now what happens is that all of us can come and have been asked by God to be his worshippers. Worship is not a technical thing. It is a privilege. It always is a privilege. It is not about, well, then the PA, the bit feedback, a bit loud. It's rubbish. What? Utter rubbish. It is an extraordinary privilege that we have to worship the Lord. And if we take it away from that, we will lose our heads and therefore lose our hearts. Lastly, uh, this is a part of their repentance. They realize that they're chosen. Lastly, this God blesses us. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. Please note that what they were saying is that we will be satisfied when the grain comes in. Do you hear that? When the grain comes in. 
We'll be satisfied when our fields are bursting with stuff. When my field is bursting, I will be a happy chappy. They have now realized that they will be satisfied with the goodness of the house and the holiness of the temple. Note where we have been chosen to be, uh, to be blessed. That we have been chosen to be blessed in the house or the temple. We've been chosen to be blessed when we gather together. That's why in the New Covenant it says, don't give up meeting together because God wants to come and meet with us. Blessing is linked with the house and the temple. That's how it works, where the people of God are. You know, sometimes people struggle because when they go through tough times, they they actually move away from it. And actually, when it's a tough time, you actually need to move in the center of it. That's what God has chosen. That's why God has chosen for you a people. He's chosen for you a worshipping people to help you. Now, what, why, are they reminding, why are they stating those five things? The answer is this. They have forgotten. They have forgotten. And here we have an opportunity for us not to forget so that we can find God. So much, you know, forget not all his benefits. It sounds simple. Right, okay, the two short ones, the deed-doing God of might. Okay, shortly, God in his vast dominion and power and authority is pictured in verse 5 and 8. I want to get to the end because I've got a great story about a tin of peas. (laughs) That's just to get you, Morton Peas at that. Hands up if you remember Morton Peas. Fantastic. You're older than you look. That means so am I. Verse 5, by awesome deeds you answer us in righteousness, O God of salvation, the hope of the ends of the earth and the fathers of sea. So here we, uh, we have de- depicted for us the one thing that they have now grasped, that it is God who is in universal soul rule. He rules, he's the Lord, he's the king, he's no other. And it's interesting that they, what they do is that they bring God down and they bring him low. And they, they sort, of, sort of, what they want is that they want this. And, and when, the way that God blesses us is that he, he blesses us when we realize what an awesome God we have. We lift him high, we praise his name, we exalt him. And that's the way that we understand the situations that we are in and going through. So the famine means nothing when they're lost in themselves. And they've realized this. They've said, awesome deed you answer us. You are the hope of all the earth. So he comes and touches us. And sometimes we try and battle through without exalting this magnificent Jesus and praising him and lifting his name on high and bringing him praise despite whatever. The Lord should be lifted up on high. If you want to get through, lift up the Lord on high. That's how we've been told here. Now I want you to notice that look. He said, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas. Lifting up his name, exalting him is the answer. Now, when I was a, 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 a good strict Baptist, we had a hymn called For All the Saints. Now, I won't sing it to you because I'm going to sing to you um, something from a harvest festival a little bit later on with the tin peas. But it says, 
So you're looking forward to that. And that's woken a few. I'll just stay awake just to get to the end of this. And in it, it says, From earth's wide bounds, from ocean's farthest coasts, through gates of pearl streams, stop singing at Phil Harmon, in the countless hosts, and singing to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> but, uh, what, what is wonderful about this is that it, it is designed to give you perspective. The hymn writer is trying to get your head and heart into perspective so that we can understand things. He's saying, look, the saints come, the countless hosts from every nook and cranny, from the corner of the world. The psalmist is saying, look how, do, how vast the dominion of God is. It stretches from shore to shore, earth's widest bounds, ocean's farthest coast. He's trying to get us to see that one of the answers to our deliverance is literally this, how big is your God how big is your God look at this wonderful thing in verse 2 you will hear of our prayer to you all flesh will come that's the psalmist saying that that's the psalmist prophetically speaking about Israel that once but once you you are part of the prophetic fulfillment of this psalm you're part of the all flesh that came and sometimes we sort of think of our world that we we get trapped in our Christian sort of ghetto oh my goodness you know the, the world's gone to bits it's all gone crazy look there's a promise here all flesh will come your evangelism will work your gospel will work Jesus will save people we, will we ever see this place full yes why because the promise of the lord is that all flesh will come it is a given why are we living without the given we're living according to the promises of man and not the promise we should do that we come to share the gospel which what all flesh will come you're going to get it. it it's you know i don't know whether you, you you tend to think all flesh will come my goodness look at that that person is an awesome person how am i going we have to change our thinking no look all flesh will come and you And that's the way we should be praying. Look, the psalmist says he can come. The Lord is the Lord. The king is the king. The Lord reigns. It's no good going, the Lord rules. But boy, you should try witnessing to my neighbor. Come on. No. You should try. You, The Lord reigns, but he, he doesn't reign when I'm at work because I tried witnesses and he told me, go away. No, the, either the Lord reigns or he doesn't. These are the things. Look at this Lord that reigns. Who stills roaring seas? Come on. Who of you have got a roaring sea? What does the God say? Still. We know that because the psalmist writes it and then Jesus stands on it and he goes, Still. And the reason the psalmist writes it and Jesus does it is so that when your, when your sea roars, you can go still. This is it. This is the wonderful, the roaring of the world. Look at this, the tumult of peoples or the tumult of peoples, whether you're from Birmingham or Wolverhampton. But what you can look at this, and so all of these things are there. All these signs and wonders are there so that you can grasp how big your God is and what he will do for you. Every planet on the earth is able to see these awesome deeds of God. Please understand this. Please do understand this. When we see roaring seas and waves, this isn't for the BBC. This is so that they will turn and see God. 
That's what it is. When you see tumult or tumult amongst the peoples, this isn't so that we can send the next guy over there to stand in front of it and say, my goodness, look at what's going on over, over here in Libya. This is so that the world can turn to God. The reason that those signs and wonders are there is so that, that, so that God is revealing himself and so we can actually say, hey, look, this stuff is in the Bible so that you can find him. What we do sometimes, we go, Libya, bad, isn't it? Bad, Iraq, very bad. My God, Somalia, really, really bad. And then we can do an evening. We can gather our friends around and we can say, let's talk about Libya. Colonel Gaddafi, you know, Colonel Gaddafi, Colonel Gaddafi, Colonel Gaddafi. But we never think that Colonel Gaddafi and actually all that's going through is that God is wanting to point through Colonel Gaddafi because he reigns so that he can demonstrate himself. It isn't that it's gone wrong, it's that it's pointing to God. That's what the psalmist is saying. My goodness me, it's pointing to God. And here in the middle of it is this wonderful thing. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness. Here is the answer of Jesus Christ prophetically put out by the psalmist. The forgiveness that is spoken in verses 3 now comes through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. The only hope of the world. So, you know, sometimes, I don't know whether you had this thing yesterday, but we were watching the news in bed. And I, I considered something because I don't know whether you ever watch the news and they flash something coming underneath. And we were sort of sitting there and having a cup of tea watching the news and it flashed on that gas prices were going up by 16%. I think, I did you notice that? And I thought this, I thought, that's awful. I think I might switch it off so that Callie doesn't see it. <laughs> what are your gas prices doing to you folks? Well, they're crippling us. No, they are pointing to God. Stop doing the negative thing. Use the thing that God wants, the signs and the wonders, the awesome things that go on, the things that are in you. They point to God. It's pointless. They're not there designed so that you can complain. They're designed so that it will help you to point a people to God. And the answer is Jesus in his righteousness. Here comes the tin of peas. This is verses 13 to 19. The God of the glens and the hillsides, the farmlands and the windowsills. Look at the, the windowsills, the wilderness. He's also God of the windowsills. This is the, the gift-giving God of plenty. Look at verse 9. Hear this. I'm sure Phil would be very happy with this. I mean, listen to his sermon. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it with the, with, uh, with the river of God. It is full of water. The God of heaven will come down. Wow. Okay, well, it was wow to me. <laughs> the God of heaven will visit you. Here's the promise. We will be enriched by it. The river of God is full. He comes and brings abundance. Look at what we were. The, you provide their grain. You have prepared it. We cannot live without your provision, Lord. Right, before we decide whether that's physical or spiritual, I'll do that then. I do want to share with you my hate of harvest festivals. 
Now, some of you are very attached to harvest festivals, but I want to say to you that it has left an impression on me that I cannot ever attend one ever again. And the reason for this is that, that when I was little, I was made to, to prepare the harvest festival display. And we used to build a football stand almost at the front of the church. And we, we used to have made, especially for us, this whacking great loaf. It was about three foot in length. It was all twisted and stuff and had knots and flowers on the stuff like this. And, and it got very, it got very, the, the loaf's at quite the wrong angle. And I used to have to go, and what we used to do is then deck it. And then once a year at the end of it, we would give it like good Christians to the Salvation Army. This is what we do. And then on the Sunday morning, what we would do is that we would gather on the Sunday morning to sing our hymns and about the harvest. And we had a harvest supper. Hey, do you remember harvest suppers? We just eat what was on there. Now, <laughs> give the Salvation Army the rest. But it was, and what we would do is this. And when I was little... What used to happen is that the children could go and put a display, on, put something on the thing. Now, what I wanted is that, what I really wanted is I wanted leeks or, you know, something of that. I, know I wanted carrots and carrots with the green things, not the, not the ones. So what did my mum give me? Morton tinned peas. So when we would start, and, that's, and we'd, we'd say, you know, and we're going to stand and sing the first hymn, and then what would happen is that say, and all the children can come for. Now, I want you to imagine that all my friends from church have got the carrots with the green things, the leeks with the dirt, and there's me with a Morton <laughs> tin of peas walking towards the front. So this is why I, I absolutely hate this because I need to deal with my unforgiveness. It was a harrowing experience. But then what I found is that we would, we would sing harvest hymns and I could never understand harvest hymns either because, I mean, you know, we, this is one. Okay, Phil, I'm going to sing one. You can sing the other, okay? So here's mine. We plough the fields and scatter the good seed on the land, but it is fed and watered by God's almighty hand. So hold on, Phil's coming next. What the, but uh, it's really interesting <laughs> that I didn't actually feel that we, we believe this stuff. I, as a little kid, I was thinking... This is, you know, you've sent me with a tin of peas with this. You know, we don't believe this as a family. So, I mean, because the, what God is saying is that we do the plowing, we do the planting, we do the tending, we do the... But it's God that provides for us. And, and it's, it's okay to, to celebrate. But I just thought, I just thought it's, it's not quite what we're doing here. We've not quite got it, have we? It's not quite what we're... So I used to struggle with this whole thing about, look, it's God that's this wonderful work of provision and I'm sent up with a tin of peas. Right, Phil? Uh, come ye thankful people, come. That'll do. <laughs> Guys, what, what used to bother me was that this was just once. This is, as a child, as a child looking in on this, this is what bothered me. What bothered me was that we did this once a year. 
This is what I, I struggled with. Now, I know some of you afterwards, when we're having coffee, will say, yeah, but this is about the harvest and all that comes in once a year and all that sort of stuff. You know, actually, we do... We, no, not all that. Look, I was born in, I was born in Willingall. We didn't have grass. <laughs> Come on. What, what is a cow? I didn't know what a cow was. To the Midlands, for heaven's sake. I just couldn't understand this, you know. It wasn't like that. When we had bread, apart from that one, it came in slices and it was the milkman. Cows were, I didn't, cow, the milkman bought it. You know, what was that? Turned up on your doorstep. I didn't know. But surely, 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 shouldn't our thankfulness be, our heart, our thankfulness be all the time? Shouldn't it be like that? Shouldn't it be mad? And I don't know quite whether, whether we've got that in our hearts. I don't know whether you are, are, are thankful. I, 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 we live in a day of abundance and we are not thankful. We're miserable. I have to say, look, and, and I, know, you know, look, I was born in Willenhall and I was born in poverty. I'm not in poverty now. I might think, well, I, might, I do not live in anything other than abundance. Look, you know, and we, we are unthankful people. The Lord is provided. Look at this. You know, we sing, don't we? We, we sing and all this about England's green and pleasant land. You know, look at verse 10. You water its furrows abundantly. You set its ridges, offering it with showers and blessing its growth. Now, I know you're going to come up. It's, it's raining again. Do you know, you know, we... We ought to be bursting with thankfulness for what is around us. I mean, isn't it mad that you can go into Sainsbury's? I mean, how many tomatoes do you want? Which one do you want? Do you want one with the green bit, the little one? I mean, I don't know whether you've noticed it now with Sainsbury's. You can get little tiny tomatoes that are about like this. I mean, what am I going to do with that? You go, six in. <laughs> <laughs> But, but we, you're not, and, and it's really interesting that when you get people that go to Sainsbury's, you, and I don't know whether they're like, they're miserable. Look at the stuff, the stuff that is in front of us. I mean, I have to say that, I, you know, for years I didn't really, I never knew what a three-course meal was. We, we went on for our wedding anniversary, just the, we had a seven-course meal. And there are people, there are people right now in this nation of ours that have absolutely nothing. And God has blessed us. God has blessed us. We're extraordinarily blessed. And we are not grateful because of it. Tough at work. Yeah, you are. But you have work. You have work. Wow. You have a job. It's, it's mad. Your cupboard generally is full. You have an extraordinary... You do not have to go down to the river and wash your clothes in sewage and drink from the river that has sewage in it. You put Omo in it. Remember that? Omo and, and it goes around. You know, come on. Thank you, Lord. Would that not be appropriate? Verse 11, you crown the year with bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with goodness. Thank you, Lord. 
The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. Thank you, Lord. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They, that's the other, shout and sing for joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, you know, when we're when we calling people to worship, it ought to be easy, hadn't it? Because of the abundance. We have more in our nation than any time in history. And we need to now appreciate that it comes from God. That it comes from God. We ought to be grateful and generous, therefore. So there's a thanksgiving in the meeting that we're in. There's a joy and a shouting. You know, it's really interesting. There's a joy and there's a shouting now. We've gone from repentance. We've gone from, we've gone from quiet. Now there's a shout. Now there's a joy to them. So the psalmist's language, is it spiritual or is it physical? Well, listen to some of the words in conclusion. Is it spiritual or is it physical? Sin, transgression, famine, salvation, righteousness, signs of awe, visits from God, the river of God, abundance, enriching, and on and on and on. The answer is, is this a real situation or is this a situation of the heart? Actually, the answer to that is there's no separation from the physical and the spiritual in what is happening in the psalmist. So I want to just address you, those who have known or are knowing personal famine. And I want, I want you to hear what the Lord would say to you from these latter verses. Verse 8. People that are in famine... You visit the earth and you water it. You greatly enrich it with the river of God, which is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening its showers and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pasture of the wilderness overflows. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. And the valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. This is for your heart too. This is what God can do for you. And your journey is just to do in the midst of famine and just come and say, Lord... (laughs) I need you. I need you. And that's all that they did. Now I want to do this. I wonder if the band could come up. If you know that you are, well, if you know that, you know, for you it's a famine then we can use some of this, this psalm to just pray over you. If you know that you are in a famine situation, a personal famine situation, and you would like, it's not about force, it's about you would like somebody to pray with you, I'd like you to just come and stand by Steve 
and somebody will come and pr- uh, pray with you. And they'll come and just uh, pray some of the words from Psalm 65 into your, in your heart.